Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at Armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee, and this is the Autosport Podcasts. Time for an Alex Travel Diary. Alex Kalinokis is our Grand Prix editor. Now, must admit, we did this last year after a couple of people said they'd like to hear what we get up to when we go to cover a race somewhere around the world and bring it to the audiences, wherever they're reading about it or watching or listening, fans of autosports, wherever we make our content. And so we tried it, it went down really well, so I said to Alex, look, as we're sending you out for Bahrain testing and leaving you out there for a couple of weeks, uh, can you make a travel diary for us and finish it off on the Saturday where you give us your thoughts on qualifying? So... At the end of the podcast, in about 10-15 minutes, we will hear Alex's analysis of Quali today. But we'll start with a couple of days of what an autosport reporter gets up to. People have been asking, explain what you do. Like, we like to hear behind the scenes. What car do you drive? Where do you go in your off days? Uh, what do you eat? And do you hang out together? Do you hang out with the teams or drivers or the organisers? And you know, what do you do? These special events that you often get invited to. So enjoy Alex's travel diary today. I'd love to get your feedback. You can email podcast at autosport.com if there's other features and things you'd like to hear from behind the scenes of Formula One. Here we go. Uh, we will start with Alex on Thursday. Let's go back in time. Welcome back. 48 hours. It's the Thursday evening of the Bahrain Grand Prix. I've actually been in Bahrain for eight days now, although I suppose technically, again, straight away, I'm immediately playing with the whole uh, the time uh, timeline. Uh, if you're listening on Saturday, it's been I've been here for 10 days. If you're listening on Sunday, 11 days. But anyway, right. It's Thursday, the Bahrain Grand Prix. For me, as I'm speaking right now, eight days since I departed from Heathrow Terminal 4 via Gulf Air with my colleagues Matt Q and Stuart Codling. Matt Q, of course, Autosport's new F1 reporter, F1 newshound, Stuart Codling, the editor of our wonderful GP Racing magazine. Uh, we spent the test all together. We stayed in the uh, the Seif district, or actually, I'm, I'm, as, as, you, as you can well tell, I'm still here. We're staying in the Seif district on the upper northeast of Bahrain Island. It's about 20 minutes drive from central Manama, and also traffic being well. I 
I'll get onto that in a minute because it really is about 20 minutes uh, drive from the Bahrain International Circuit as well. Uh, had Q and Codders with me uh, for the test as we arrived in a nice, uh, nice civilised 7pm way back uh, Wednesday last week before testing, uh, then did all the boring things at the airport getting Bahrain SIM cards, collecting hire cars. I drove us over here doing all the driving for this trip. Uh, and then we had a very uh, a very highly convivial dinner uh, at the hotel here in in the Seif district. I'm here solo now, uh, staying here at the hotel. With those two gone home on the, uh, the Saturday evening after testing concluded. Although our colleague Phil Clearant is here. He's worked at motorsport.com, also doing news reporting role as Matt Q is. He's staying in another hotel in the Seaf District. So every day, basically, I go and collect him. And then we both together brave the Bahrain traffic, which... There's no getting around it. is is really quite frightening. It's uh, it's 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 pretty it's pretty busy. It's pretty uh, you got to be uh, you got to keep your wits about you. And yeah, just generally the, the, the all the years I've been coming here, it's never been anywhere particularly pleasant to drive. Um, obviously, this part of the world, this country, there's plenty else worth getting outraged by in terms of how minorities and dissidents are treated. But given this is a travel diary, I think that there's simply no sugarcoating it. I don't want to drive another mile in my, what is admittedly a very nice uh, Toyota hire car. I, I, I really, I just don't want to. It's, 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 it's pretty dangerous. Like last week during testing when uh, there was certainly particularly bad traffic, uh, apparently there was big celebrations taking over town. Uh, Q80 National celebrating the Q80 National Day. Uh, having a great time driving across roads, driving across uh, the desert. It seemed uh, at times, even near the hotel, the sort of the the unpaved bits around here, going the wrong way around roundabouts. All particularly frightening. Not very nice. But anyway, as I said, this is a travel diary. Hence why I'm giving an update on the even the negative parts of travel. But back to things that did go smoothly and that was the Thursday of the Bahrain Grand Prix obviously every Thursday the pre-event media day and things just ran very very smoothly obviously it helped that we had testing here last weekend so you know you've gone around spoken to uh, spoken to all the all the all the, all, the con- all my contacts in the paddock spoken to team PRs introduced yourself to new people obviously got your eye in back in your know, sort of your ear in as well I suppose if that makes any sense at all talking to the drivers they're all uh, in good form and also this paddock actually you know is very comfortable they do look after everybody very well here and it's a great facility so um so hats off to, uh, for that here in Bahrain but yeah just a very smooth first day and uh, I was pleased to get stuck in with uh, asking Fernando Alonso in particular questions in the press conference um it was really interesting chatting to him obviously as you will know I do hope if you listen to the the qualifying update at the start of this podcast potentially Aston Martin in the mix as I speak right now we expect them to be or at least based on what all the Red Bull Mercedes and Ferrari drivers were saying they've certainly got a chance of being in the mix this year although to be fair uh, you know always worth remembering that if it, 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 it's very it makes it even easier to not talk about your own team's potential if you're talking up another team then obviously if it doesn't come to pot all the better for all the better for that sort of Machiavellian game the teams and the drivers are all playing but anyway Back to Alonso. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, there's sort of been the, the sort of the, the rumours going around about Alonso in terms of uh, the injury that he sustained in Melbourne last year, if you remember, and crashed very heavily in Q3 when he was briefly threatening for both position. It looked like a sort of weird driver error, but uh, his Alpine team at the time then saying it was down to a hydraulic issue that sort of pitched him off the track. And basically, um, it, it, Alonso has now confirmed he broke several bones in his in his hand last year in that incident. And, and it was interesting, you know, for several races, he was noticeably sporting strength. Trapping. I remember speaking to him in the panic in Monaco after he'd had another crash in Q3. I remember had that crash uh, well adrift on the track behind the Sainz and Perez uh, shunt late in qualifying there in Monaco last year. So basically he said to him, oh, is he, 
is that strapping, you know, something to help with an injury that you sustained here? He said, no, 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 this was all from Melbourne. And now he says, yeah, driving, uh, driving with broken bones in his hands. I mean, Fernando Alonso, I've got to say, you know, I really think Formula One is better having him in it. I know there's sort of lot of lots of chatter going back a few years about drivers, you know, who've been in the sport a long time. Fernando Alonso, and this is now his 20th season in Formula One. Do they deserve a place when there are young drivers struggling to get in? Well, I have to say in Alonso's case, absolutely. He Formula One is just much, much, much better having him in it. He's still got it. He's a terrific driver. And honestly, for a journalist, he's an absolute dream because he's always he's always giving, you know, even even when he's not giving an answer, he's giving something. It's a little, little dig at his old team, Alpine, and, and, his, and his former teammate Esteban Ocon when he said that, you know, oh, Aston Martin can't possibly be in the mix because, you know, there are, there are the Class A teams, the, the, the front three teams, in his words. They lapped everybody last year, even the fourth fastest team, Alpine, that he didn't name. You know, only seven drivers those six plus himself of course finished on the lead lap so yeah very funny there from Fernando Alonso if of course I'm interpreting that uh, subtext correctly but anyway getting a bit sidetracked down the uh, the Alonso chat but for you know either way if Aston are in the mix or not or even if they're just closer to the top three really good to see Alonso uh, uh, apparently thriving so far um, yeah other than that my my only really update from Thursdays I went for a track run following all my work being done in the paddock uh, pleased to report that I was about 40 seconds faster than I was during the run that I did with Matt and Codders uh, back in testing so you know don't know what don't know what's responsible for that maybe just the just the the, the, the three days of practice on the treadmill uh, during the during the downtime between the events obviously helped uh, what was noticeable was there were several people cycling the track uh, using the other layouts obviously the endurance layout that was used for the 2010 Bahrain Grand Prix and of course, the outer loop layout as well, the Sakia 2020 layout too. Uh, so yeah, they're they're not illuminated by the massive uh, the massive pylons and the lights, but nevertheless, they're easily accessible. Uh, then I drove back home, losing lots of time in traffic, but I promise I won't go uh, any more on that uh, with Phil. We had a lovely dinner together. Uh, but there we go. That's the end of my first part of my travel diary. Here comes another break of a few seconds for you and 24 hours for me. Welcome back to this timeline hopping travel podcast adventure. For me, it's Friday night here in Bahrain after the opening day of practice. Well, today, earlier on, much earlier on in the mid-morning, Phil and I drove in in noticeably calm and traffic and not unexpected given it's the start of the weekend here in the Arab world. And I'm pleased to report there was no repeat of the dangerous situation I was rather left in with Cuban Codders last Friday night with traffic chaos on the roads in the Seif district this evening too. But anyway, that's more than enough on the terrible traffic around here. Uh, I had an excellent time going trackside during FP1. It really is the absolute highlight of my job. I was able to observe uh, Fernando Alonso's the rear on his Aston looking particularly leery coming out of turn four. Mercedes drivers struggling too and the Ferrari drivers at the end of their stints looking a bit of a handful. Red Bull, shockingly, the best car, looking absolutely planted. It was massively sunny. I think I did get, managed to get a little bit sunburnt on the uh, on the top of my forehead. Uh, but that also meant that the time's just not really uh, representative at all and exacerbating the balance problems on, on various cars. So anyway, after I'd, uh, after I'd done that, the reason why I do go trackside uh, during uh, Grand Prix Fridays is basically we have a little piece to produce uh, for the magazine specifically on trackside. So I do urge you to check that out. And then afterwards, I came back and covered FP2 from the media centre before hitting the paddock to talk to sources, various teams, people that I know, uh, to produce my regular Friday feature, which we do after FP2 on every Grand Prix Friday. This one revealed, shockingly, given he topped FP2, Fernando Alonso and Aston Martin appear to have very strong one-lap pace. We'll see if that's borne out true in the qualifying you guys have just watched. Uh, but for Sappen and Red Bull, in any case, no matter how FP2 turned out and how indeed qualifying may turn out, 
for as far as I know now. Red Bull, Verstappen looking absolutely mighty on the long runs. Heavy, heavy favourite going into the race on Sunday. But I do appreciate that so far that's not much of a travel diary update. So I thought I'd actually uh, use this time now to give you a little bit of insight into what I got up to in the four days that took place between testing and the race last week. Given my Saturday uh, work on the third day of the test, finished at 5am Sunday morning as I was trying to hit the deadline uh, for the sort of uh, pecking order feature I was producing for autosport.com plus that then went in autosport magazine as well. Sunday and Monday, frankly, became all about recovery because testing, it really is full on days. I often find that the sort of the practice Friday at Grand Prix events bores out into like, uh, sorry, bears out into three days over the test. So it's just flat out watching the cars uh they're obviously running on most of the time during the day at testing and then you've got to hit the paddock and talk to people as well so very very intense days with a very late finish from the final night so yes all about recovery for the first couple of days also we're finishing off the season preview issue of autosport magazine and i produced my column explaining how we're changing driver ratings for this season specifically it's just about the race now so if you were confused about how we did that in the past that's all changed now then on Tuesday, I was lucky enough, once I'd filed my column, to explore the southern half of the island. Um, Bahrain really is really quite tiny. You know, if you, as I said, I think earlier in this podcast, once uh, once you've driven from, from Manama and the, and the city sort of 20, 25 minutes down to the track, you've covered half the island. There's a massive uh, Bahrain Air Force base to the east of the island. Uh, and other than that, it's just oil fields. There are a sort of a few luxury hotels and residents uh, right down on the tip of the southern coast other than that it's uh it's not exactly very well populated um we checked out one of the more common more popular uh, things to do for tourists here which is go to the tree of life very much in the center of bahrain um it is surrounded by lots of other trees in the desert but what's particularly uh, interesting about this one is it's over 400 years old and as two of my media center colleagues who were with me on that trip reliably informed me that's older than the united states of america so there we go uh, it's also surrounded by oil fields everywhere i've never been in an oil field before not have any reason to to be perfectly frank uh, but basically all the sort of the piping uh, for it is everywhere all across the desert like driving around on these really sort of uh, unpaved roads the the pipes you know lining them really low down to um to the ground with the, with, with most of them and, and bigger ones uh, raised up a little bit as well we had hoped to go and visit the first oil well that was uh, dug in bahrain temporarily closed apparently so uh, so that was a no-go uh, we also went to see some uh, some ancient rock formations that are in the middle there middle of the island uh, before heading down to the south coast uh, to see the sea have a spot of lunch a little bit of tapas in a nice hotel that was there so that was my tuesday it was rather excellent uh monday evening there was a media dinner hosted uh, by the uh, by the bahrain uh, circuit which was uh, very very pleasant i i'm pleased i'm happy to report um and then not happy to report although you know it's all relative this is very much first world problems uh my plan to spend wednesday all by the swimming pool in my hotel was rather spoiled by the weather because even here in bahrain in the desert in the middle of the middle east it can rain as it did on wednesday little spots of drizzle not as much as there was on monday but the main problem was it just really remained gray all day the wind kept up and therefore it was just too cold frankly to sit by the swimming pool so there we go tiny violins playing for everyone i can imagine <laughs> but there we go uh, the evening uh wednesday evening i spent attending a birthday meal for a media center colleague uh, he's just turned 30 so happy birthday to him and yeah, there we go. I've now, in my three trips to Bahrain, seen almost all of it. I'm pretty sure it's only the Grand Mosque and various little bits of uh, sort of more packed Manama that I haven't explored. Who knows? Maybe I'll get to do that in the years to come. Anyway, that's it for part two of my travel diary. I'll be back tomorrow for me. I'm doing the usual thing of expanding it. Tomorrow for me, today for you, Sunday if you're listening to it on Sunday, where I'll be offering my thoughts on qualifying. <laughs>
Well, welcome back to the final part of this podcast. No travel diary today. You're just going to get my reaction to the first qualifying session of Formula One 2023. Well, the headline, the headline result, not all that exciting. Max Verstappen leads a 1-2 for Red Bull ahead of Sergio Perez, who we looked to have absolutely covered as he did in 2022. But Ferrari's Charles Leclerc ending up as the closest challenger. Again, very familiar from 2022. But given the hype surrounding Aston Martin, given the pace that Fernando Alonso had shown in that car on Friday, it is still something of a shock to see uh, Ferrari there. I think they definitely weren't showing their hand at all in testing. In fact, both Red Bull drivers amusingly accusing uh, Ferrari of sandbagging in testing. And in fact, uh, Max Verstappen suggesting that the bit of a uh, bit of uh, for the front of the, the the wheel fairing, the wheel cover fairing on the Claire's car that fell off at the start of qualifying, suggesting that was actually the sandbag and that's where all the pace came from. But anyway, there we go. Basically, Ferrari hadn't shown their hands, but still, you know, still they were sort of suggesting, oh, we don't think we're in the hunt for pole. It essentially played an excellent expectation management game, but still... Leclerc definitely seemed to be in the hunt. You know, he was only like just over a tenth behind Verstappen after the first runs. And then actually the real shock of the session was to see him climbing out of the car, not having a second go uh, at the end of Q3. And he said, yeah, there was time there. He reckoned, I, I think he genuinely thinks he could have given Verstappen a run for his money and definitely probably thinks he could have beaten Perez. Um, but nevertheless, you know, it's 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 a it's a good sign for Ferrari because the suggestion was that after testing Red Bull was just going to walk both qualifying and the race. So this is a sign of progress uh, for Ferrari based on sort of the, the the suggestions coming out of the paddock last weekend. Race pace does seem to be a little bit more of a struggle for them, and the whole reason why Leclerc and Ferrari said they abandoned that second run in Q3 was to simply do, simply try and give it you know an extra little edge when it came to the uh, the opening race thing. He'll start on a new set of soft tyres. It will give him a little bit of extra grip off the line and then ideally just last that little bit longer maybe able to keep pace more consistently do more of an Abu Dhabi 2022 performance than say what happened at Imola last year where the tyres and, and Miami as well where the tyres went off and that's how the Red Bulls were able to to take victory there so yeah I mean Hopefully, it'll be an exciting race tomorrow, but based on what we saw in FP2, Max Verstappen looking commandingly in control on the long runs. But uh, but nevertheless, as we saw in this race last year, unexpected things can happen for Red Bull. You know, the fuel pump problem at the end of the, of the race last year. So, you know, the team is, is definitely wary of, of mistakes being made and or, or, or certainly things just not going as perfectly as they could. Max Verstappen spent a long time in the press conference explaining that actually it was a real shock when he jumped in the car on Friday morning in FP1 and just found that the balance suddenly he thought was perfect in testing was really, really off this weekend. Now, yes, there are uh, different tyre compounds. It's the harder compounds that are being used for the race as opposed to the whole range the teams has access to last weekend. But the sort of suggestion in the paddock is there's some rumours that Red Bull have had to made, make some changes to the sort of under underneath of their car, maybe raise it up a little bit just to make sure it's compliant with you know the, the skid blocks and the plank wear and things like that team very very coy on that Sergio Perez basically saying we don't understand why well I think that's probably slightly disingenuous a team as good as Red Bull doesn't suddenly just not understand things but you know but we have to take them at their word and that's what it was coming out of qualifying but anyway uh, Ferrari potentially uh, Red Bull's closest rival tomorrow or it could be Aston Martin yes the hype train perhaps not as uh, not as going as well as many had hoped and potentially predicted in qualifying with Fernando Alonso in fifth behind Carlos Sainz but he produced an excellent long run in fact it was only shaded just by Verstappen in FP2 although we think that the Red 
Liverpool was, was running quite considerably heavier than the Aston Martin. But yeah, Aston, both uh, both Leclerc, both Verstappen and Perez as well, saying that that team really is going to be a threat in the race tomorrow. So really uh, one to keep an eye on. Um, even if Aston doesn't have the pace to challenge for victory, the fact that it's in podium contention and, and, and seems to be there genuinely at this stage, well, you know, that just shows what real progress the team has made. This time a year ago, the car was porpoising badly. It was, you know, shorn of downforce. It just wasn't, it really wasn't looking like a good package. And it was looking like, look, you know, this big, this big ambition ambitions that Lawrence Stroll had or and still has of course looked like there was no chance of them coming off well in a year what a step they've made and full credit to that team and you know it's providing inspiration to the likes of Williams to the likes of AlphaTauri you know the, the, the teams that are down the back of the grid currently particularly speaking to Dave Robson at Williams tonight you know it shows them that, that it is possible but you have to have the pieces in place you have to have the investment and you also have to have uh, you know just just the the, the skills of the designers and the, and the engineers and so anyway full Full credit to Aston uh, for that, but nevertheless, this is a, a qualifying podcast, uh, running out of time a little bit, so thought I'd just give uh, a couple of shout-outs. Uh, obviously, there's a, a downbeat shout-out at Mercedes, Toto Wolf after the session, saying basically the concept's wrong. The concept has totally got to change at Mercedes if it's going to have any hope of catching Red Bull in this new ground effects formula. Uh, George Russell and Lewis Hamilton, sixth and seventh, you know, briefly look like they might threaten the top positions in Q1 and Q2, but, you know, Red Bull's engine modes aren't going to be have turned up to the max. Uh, things like, you know, the tyres are a big factor as well, and just, just general track evolution at that point. It was getting quicker with every passing lap but yeah big shout outs to Nico Hulkenberg qualifies 10th on his full-time return to Formula 1 with Haas excellent you know really really showing his worth to the team there delivering under pressure and uh, and, and full credit to him uh, finally Alex Albon an excellent uh, an excellent performance he ends up 15th after his front wing broke uh, that's why he was suddenly understeering off at turn 4 in his final run in Q2 um, but yeah great performance A to escape Q3 because there was a lot of sort of expectation that Williams were really in trouble uh, come, uh, come this uh, or expected for this qualifying session based on what we saw in testing but there we go um he thought he could have made q3 and i think the, the team the team believes that as well you know it's a bit of a shock to them but you know they're they're happy that their driver that the skills that he showed the talent that he showed in 2022 being able to deliver under pressure and qualifying he still got it so those are my shout outs this has been my travel diary from bahrain i hope you've enjoyed it i hope i didn't waffle on too much about the appalling traffic but there we go let us know your thoughts about these travel diaries we are going to continue doing them throughout 2023 but you know it'd be it'd be interesting to hear what people want to hear more about want to hear less about whatever but there we go anyway enjoy the bahrain grand prix tomorrow uh, let's hope it's a good race sports social podcast network with the lucky land slots you can get lucky just about anywhere this is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.